Listeners to another episode of Watch Skip Singular. I am Cupcake, and this is a spinoff from Watch Skip Plus, where it's simply just me doing a movie review. We do have a weekly episode, Watch Skip Plus, which is substantially longer, and it usually includes me with my co-host, the Cinemascus Justin. And before the movie movie review proper, we do a plus, which can be any sort of like lifestyle bonus review, a book, a movie, television uh, show, something that strikes our interest. But for Watch Skip Singular, it is merely just the movie review because I see so many movies and I love movies and I love talking about movies. The first inaugural episode, I had a guest on Alex and I have a guest today for this. And no surprise, it is, in fact, the Cinemasochist Justin. Well, well, you know, the Cinemasochist Justin, he appears on the main feed. I think if he's going to pop up on occasion on Singular, then you folks are getting Justin the Red. And you might be thinking, well, what's the difference between Justin the Red and the Cinemasochist? And I say, a lot less letters. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right, Justin the Red, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. We have a lot of exciting things happening with uh, Watch Skip Plus and and mm-hmm. you and I being guests on stuff coming up soon, right? Oh, yeah. We've got a couple of guest appearances that we did together uh, in the pipeline, and you may see them by the time they're out or not. That's a cute way of me saying keep glued to our social medias as we will promote all of our guest appearances and bonus episodes such as this on those feeds. Awesome. Awesome. So we are here today to talk about the greatest beer run ever, uh, which is the new movie directed by Peter Farrelly. It is streaming on as of September 30th, Apple Plus. If you have that streaming service, frankly, I don't. I have too many streaming services. And if I add one more, I feel like uh, my brain and my television is going to explode. But nonetheless, just to intro this a little briefly, Regal Cinema had a mystery movie on September 26th. That's a Monday. It was a it was like a $5 admission ticket. I have the Regal app. Justin has the Regal app. And it was free. Um, but we both got tickets and we were excited and there was a lot of banding about what it could be. Maybe it was David O. Russell's new movie, Amsterdam, or it could have been, uh, Glass Onion, the new Knives Out sequel. And instead we got, wah, wah, the greatest beer run ever. Exactly. Although not quite wah, wah. I think, you know, uh, mileage is going to vary depending on this. But I think Wawa, just in the sense that it was debuting on a streaming service a few days later, which seemed to go against the point of doing a mystery movie, which is to drum up interest for something that's going to be playing in your theaters. I know I think it's still playing in certain regals, but not near mine and not near most. So it was an odd choice. Yeah, I feel like we got a little ripped off, even though it was free. (laughs) Yeah, And for anyone else, five bucks, which is nothing. Even your cheap days aren't bad anymore. Yeah, exactly. Five more dollars and you could subscribe to Apple Plus for a month, I guess. And that's the, the biggest issue. And I had a couple of West Coasters who had contemplated getting a ticket to it. But when they heard rumors that it was possibly going to be greatest beer run ever, 
some just didn't want to see it in general, but a couple is like, let me know because I have Apple Plus. They did. I don't. Uh, and I could just watch it on Friday. And that's, you know, why make the trip? Yeah. So, uh, all right. So the log line goes, a man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they are fighting in Vietnam. It is directed by Peter Farrelly. People probably know him most because he and his brother directed some of those wild comedies from the late 90s, Dumb and Dumber, There's Something About Mary. Um, uh, what was the bowling one called? Kingpin. Oh, Kingpin. I love Which is fantastic, Kingpin. fantastic. Um, the screenplay is actually by Farrelly, as well as a gentleman named Brian Hayes Curry, uh, who is an actor and a writer. Um, he helped to write uh, Green Book, which is the Farrelly's previous movie. That was also nominated for Oscars, and I believe it actually... It actually I won know, a couple Oscars. Yeah, I know. I forget. I don't think it was for director, but I know Fairly did win an Oscar for it. I think either yeah. from screenplay or maybe just production being involved, yeah. like producing. But I know he walked away with that because that was the big gag of like, oh, who knew the guy he was responsible for Dumb and Dumber would have an Oscar? Right. And it was like, is he going to come up on stage and have like jizz in his hair? <laughs> and, and then it's also co-written by Pete Jones. Interesting fella. Pete Jones wrote a movie called If Dad Only Knew, which was released as Outing Riley. It was about um, a Catholic guy who comes out to his family. Uh, Nathan Fillion was in it. And additionally, Pete Jones was one of the contestants on Project Greenlight. And I believe the project was called Stolen Summer is the one that he had done uh, for that television series. And our cinematographer is Sean Porter, who actually shot Green Book, as well as other movies like Green Room. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> Grassroots. The greenest uh-huh. beer run ever made. <laughs> <laughs> right. Grassroots. Haha. Uh-huh. Another green type movie. But also films like uh, Rough Night, 20th, uh, 20th Century Women. Ooh, I love that one. Um, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, uh, you know what? You're the guest. So, sure. what did you think about the greatest beer run ever? <laughs> so, as I've had a, almost a week now, if that to kind of digest this film, no pun intended, <laughs> there's a part of me that almost wants to compliment it because its earnest direction does match the earnest nature of its lead character, Chicky, played by Zac Efron, as the whole crux is he is a, I think he works for like a, like almost like a mariner. He just goes out on the docks every couple of months a year, but doesn't really do anything with the war. He's at home. His parents are getting on and busting his balls and the Vietnam War is raging. He has friends that are going there. He's wrestling with having to lose some of them, but also wanting to be like, no, rah, rah, America and his sister's a protester. So, when he's out at the bars, uh, I think specifically when he was in Bill Murray's bar, I think Murray was the one that made the crack about, okay, maybe we could just give the boys, you know, a beer. So Chicky's like, well, why don't I just do that? And then the whole crux of this is he starts out, it's a broad comedy. He's going into Vietnam and battle zones and like he's not grasping as he's just clutching onto this duffel bag of beer, how serious everything is. But then he gets put into the actual battlefield. He has to stay out in like a little dugout area uh, overnight and sees how terrible it is. And then he comes to the realization that sometimes and more times than not, war is not black and white. There are shades of gray and you can be patriotic, but want to call your country out on 
hiding information, uh, tricking your your fellow man. And for him, having to come to terms with, you know, losing friends that and not feeling like he was up to, you know, he didn't go with them. He, he found a way around. So, yes, there's a part of me that wants to commend that. But then there's the other part of me that the entire time I was watching that had this nagging feeling of this isn't getting to the point where it needs to because it wants to paint war as shades of gray. But this entire movie is black and white. They, you know, it is still America's wrong, like, which I'm not here to discuss. I think we can all agree Vietnam was a bad decision, but he's wrong for not really noticing it. Uh, Bill Murray has to kind of learn the lesson, even though he doesn't quite do it, that him just, yes, he's a former veteran, but just being jingoistic is terrible. And the broad humor and the broad drama does not convey the emotion. Or to me, there are some times I chuckled at this. Like, yeah, I got a kick out of the line where when he's finding out because he sneaks into Vietnam because he's able to get on one of those uh, shipping boats that he works on. And he finds one that goes into Vietnam and he's going to like hop off for a little while. And they're talking about moving weapons into Vietnam. And, you know, the big argument was they want to have these out as soon as possible because they're docked in New York. And if they were docked in New Jersey, who cares if New Jersey blows up? Yeah, I laughed at that broad <laughs> joke, but that's all the jokes are. There's no real clever insights. And when it shifts to him realizing how terrible the war is, even if in reality, Chicky's actual like revelations were this blunt when you make a film, you need to make sure it doesn't feel hollow. And the worst example was just as I was thinking, maybe I'm getting a little bit comfortable with this because I liked, I thought Ephraim was really, he, he's been doing a good job of shedding his skin. He was getting into this role and he had a good rapport with Russell Crowe, who plays a reporter that he ends up befriending. And they kind of, especially in the second half of the film, are trying to go see his friends and get more stories. And there's a spot where Efron flat out says, this isn't war, this is mass murder. And then Russell Crowe's like, no, war is mass murder. And I'm just like, that is too blunt of a line that did not feel genuine. And at that point in the film, Chicky had seen enough that I don't feel like he would have still been saying something like that. Like he's going to be telling a war correspondent whose job is to cover the war. Well, you don't have to be here. Like, look, I get he was young, early 20s. But so much of every time this feels honest or earned, it does something like that that pushed me away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, I will preface this by saying that, you know, what John Chicky Donahue did, what he did was admirable, absolutely admirable, mm -hmm. very heartfelt. But this movie, it, first of all, it starts out very, very flat, right? Like, mm -hmm. ostensibly, Chicky's real motivations for going over there to give him a beer is because basically his friends were like, you never follow through on anything. Mm -hmm. So right there, we're starting from from a, a basis that seems almost false, like, haha, you don't think I can do it, I'm gonna do it. Um, and again, I... I don't know John Chicky Donahue. I'm not familiar with this story. Actually, when I went into the movie, I had I had heard about the film through festivals. I did not know it was actually a true story. And when it at the end of the movie, when it says based on a true story, I kind of was like, oh my God, I I, I feel terrible it's based on a true story because the whole movie feels preposterous. It feels like I understand that it's it's showing us this, you know, 
uh, naive person uh, with no real motivations or no real concerns in life who is privileged, okay, uh, to have a large family, a large supporting family and has a job and has stuff. And he, I understand that the message of this is the horrors of war and how, you know, his eyes are being opened that, you know, there's more to the world than just your, your stature as the neighborhood clown slash everybody loves chicky kind of thing. Um, but all of it just seems to fall flat and I have a hard time with the comedy given how serious all of this stuff that just comes in you know that the, the put right in front of your eyes like you know his friends almost dying his friends screaming at him being like you came here to give me a beer I almost died to cross this 50 meters to get to you are you kidding me and then even just watching people die or people he comes in contact with being affected by the war it's really hard to sort of laugh at some of the stuff that that's being paraded in front of you and it, it, again it just it falls flat, and even when he has his sort of like catharsis and comes back and he has a worldview, it almost seems like he's just going to go back to what he was doing before, even though this experience has quote unquote changed him and his eyes mm-hmm. are open, you know? Yeah. And they may say, like, oh, you know, he went to college after that and picked himself up, which at this point I was like, well, maybe it's a little bit truer to fact because if they were going to embellish anything the fact that he didn't just become a war correspondent i was 100 percent waiting for that to be the revelation and then he became a war correspondent he did not right. he still got to a degree into politics but but no i feel you and i think you're hitting it on the head of earnest or not or genuine or not it the execution feels cold and it's not that you can't do a comedy about war Good Morning Vietnam did a better job of being a comedy, but also dealing with serious or both the film and more specifically, it's not about Vietnam. It's more about the Korean War. But look at the MASH series that knew when to have your more personal, sometimes broad humor. But they also knew how they could make that switch and make it feel heartfelt. It's such a a tightrope to pull those off. And I feel like your comedy almost needs to be sharper or it's hard to really pull that off when you're in the very serious thick of things. So once he gets, like you said, the, the guy, his friend coming, like you really risked your, I risked my life to come get a beer. Those moments, and they kind of steer away from comedy. And maybe that's the other issue I'm having is that it just keeps doing like tonal shifts as opposed to finding a way to blend the two. Uh, Cause right. it'll still bring them back a little bit. And there are still times where like, Chicky's observations again that there's a running gag in this which made me laugh but him clutching onto that duffel bag throughout it's weird to kind of feel like you're laughing at it later on when you can tell it's supposed to represent like oh this is his way of like still connecting to not just his mission but his home life now that he thinks his life is in danger and it's just everything falls so flat and it just it feels hollow even if it's not the the end result is hollow and I think now I liked green book but i didn't love it i had problems with it and i want i my biggest issue with that and it's going to sound weird but it is a film that i feel is a safe 
representation of racism. And what I mean by that is you can instill the humor, but it doesn't always feel genuine. It's there to, to make it when my, you know, older relatives watch it who loved it, they could be like, Oh yeah. And it made me think about how bad it is when it's like, they're not really facing it. You know, they still have tendencies. Um, Even something like the help, I kind of felt like still felt like a weirdly safe film on racism. Both of those are decent enough films And I feel this is what this is. It wants to be this war movie, but it also knows its premise is going to ostensibly target the, you know, teenagers and early 20s people in college and open them up. But I'll be honest with you, I think even by high school, we all get taught. I mean, our public education system, I know, gets trashed on but i was taught about the horrors of war by the time i hit high school i wasn't i i'm trying to be like not insulting chicky but like it it came to a spot where i'm like was there not a way that even if it would have been embellishing that you didn't make him come off and his friend as so it's a cruel word to say but dense because it's dim-witted just or dim-witted yeah how can you be this blind to what's happening over there you know what i mean and even if you think that we're in the right you also understand that war is war like you're not it's not a picnic to use an old saying like if you go into a battlefield we can be right but the other side isn't gonna think we're right that's how that works right and you know even if Farrelly's aspirations were, again, to show us like the horrors of war or to show us a generation when, you know, our innocence, even abroad, you know, watching that was changed uh, because he also inserts things about how the media and the and the government wasn't really telling us exactly what was going on over there. Even if his intentions were to sort of shine a light on that. How do you do that with this absurdist sort of like plot line, right? Which again, I'm shocked that it's an actual true story because I was like, who would anyway? What I, I it's going to sound like I'm like dogging uh, Mr. Donahue, but I'm not. Um, but it, it just it doesn't work. And then there's this horrific scene with the CIA and a man that they're interrogating that results in sort of his murder and stuff like that, and that just did not feel in place in this movie. Um, it just comes out of nowhere and it's a little shocking. And then it's like on to my next misadventure and my, you know, comedy or whatever. It just, yeah, the whole thing totally fell flat. I should add that there, uh, Russell Crowe is in this. Um, there's a couple actors, Bill Murray, who I found unrecognizable in his first couple I, moments. It, so what's until funny literally about that? Until literally, I also thought he was unrecognizable, and I actually thought it was one of his brothers before I even thought it was him, which is so bizarre to think that I was like, wait a minute, I got to Murray, but not Bill. Right, right, exactly. Um, But there's some other actors here that, um, you know, they're they're notable, they're up and coming. I just wanted to point them out. Paul Adelstein, he plays uh, Chicky's father. People probably know him from, uh, he's been on ABC television shows, AMC television shows. Jake Picking is a young actor. He plays the friend who ran across the, the field and almost got killed and then actually takes Chicky into the trenches. Um, he's an excellent, excellent, very, very talented actor, very good looking. And then Will Hockman, I know him from the Blue Bloods series, and I won't spoil it, but his character uh, ends up having uh, a very deep tie to the main family, the Reagans. But Will Hockman plays Tommy Minogue, 
Um, again, another great up and coming actor as well. Uh, we mentioned Russell Crowe being in this, uh, and he was a little bit of a surprise, I guess, because, um, you know, I, I did not expect that he was going to be in this when I got into it. And uh, I was surprised to see him there. He's actually really great and moves very quick for <laughs> the current state that he's in. I was a little surprised. Both my husband and I were like, wow, he's really hoofing it for for his size. Um, but, you know, to me, a a chunky Russell Crowe is still a hunky. Uh, oh, I Russell love Crow, so. the uh, chunky Russell Crowe. Even if he's yeah, yeah. an unhinged and he looks like he needs to be uh, chugging Pepto-Bismol the whole time because he's on, got the runs, I still kind of like sweaty, chunky Russell Crowe. Absolutely. And I and I will say, Efron surprised me. He really did. He I, there's pro- This is probably some of his best acting. You know, if you, if you count you know, whatever, uh, Baywatch as actual acting or his role in, uh, you know, what was it? Neighbors, I think. Was it Neighbors? Yes, uh, Neighbors. Yeah, he was yeah. Neighbors, which if I loved you, him in. I thought he was very funny in that. If you count those things as acting, this is real, like, actual dramatic acting for him that I think really works. But, but yeah, for me, this is a huge skip it. Even though it's a streaming film in some ways, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to get out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm, just because we're already at that. I'm also going to say just skip it. And I think if we would have asked maybe a day or two after seeing it, I said, well, a soft skip it. But the more I chew on this, just the less I like it. And I was while while you were talking, I was listening to you. I was trying to look up like some authenticity about the movie. Granted, I'm on a site called History versus Hollywood.com. So, you know, (laughs) I can't vouch for how much they went in. A lot of it does seem true, except apparently the Russell Crowe character never existed. Not only did, you know, this reporter not exist, from what I'm gathering, it sounds like there wasn't a reporter at all there, which, considering a lot of my issues with the broad drama, comes from how he interacts with Russell Crowe. That part makes me think that was embellished. And also, his sister wasn't protesting him going. She didn't even know until after he got back that he had actually gone to Vietnam and he was gone for like four months. Jesus so Christ. That Talk part, about creative license. Now, now yeah. I really don't like this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but he did say that, that he had worked was involved. So yes, in addition to co-writing the 2017 book, the greatest beer run ever, a memoir, friendship, loyalty, and war with New York daily news reporter, Joanna Malloy, which provided the basis for the film. Chicky was closely involved with the making of the movie and visited the set. He asked me, did you do this or that? He wanted my help. Chicky told the New York times of actor Zach Efron. It felt good that he wanted my participation. Uh, Chicky also appeared in interviews, with Zach Efron to promote the film. Check Chicky says that Zach Efron nailed the portrayal watching him play me. I felt the same emotion. I felt, uh, 50 something years ago. So there's also that part, granted, who knows if he saw the final cut before that interview, uh, that maybe a lot of it did. I mean, it's also, I'm trying not to really rag on this guy, but he was also 26 at the time, which is even more baffling because yeah. I get that the idea was that he was kind of a, a layabout, but I do think, I guess they conveyed it well enough here, but he had said, and I think it's something that even this film doesn't really bring to the forefront as much as it thinks it is is that you can be anti-war, but that does not mean you're anti-soldier. His takeaway in real life was, I don't agree with this war and the government's portrayal, but that doesn't mean I'm besmirching any soldiers who went out there who are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to do right by their country, but their country is, you know, arguably manipulating them. And, and that still happens to this day. Any war we get into, if you 
combat it if you say we shouldn't be doing this it's oh so you don't like your your fellow man or your freedoms it's like well no it's you're un-american yeah or right. you're un-american it's like no the part the, the best part about being american is that we can challenge our government uh because that is part of the freedom that we get that we can say you need to be telling us this because you're supposed to be transparent and the fact that you aren't is troubling because there's something that means you're hiding and i you know i've I think all of us probably know family members or friends or people that have gone to war and you don't want them to die regardless, but you also don't want them being put in danger for something that turns out we shouldn't have been a part of. And I just don't feel that this film as earnest as it may be. That's the word I keep coming back to. I, I feel it just, it's hollow. It feels cold. Nothing feels earned. And I always hate to play the, Oh, compared to other movies, but how many movies have we had about Vietnam? Like that's nothing. You aren't breaking new ground like, oh, wow, Vietnam wasn't, you know, all yeah. that it was cracked up to be like you're you're shooting fish in a barrel at this point. Like it's what? And that's and that's another thing. Like if you're going to go this far, as you said, and present another vision of Vietnam or another perspective of it, I didn't learn anything about Mm-mm. Chicky Donahue in this. There, you know what I mean? There's nothing other than he's got cojones and, yeah. you know, apparently can get to Vietnam to do this. And it's very, very admirable. I didn't learn a lot about him. He was to me, he felt just like a cipher to present Vietnam, you know, mm-hmm. and then the perspectives of like the people at home and then what was happening at the war. Again, that's why I was a little shocked when they trumped out the uh, the uh, real pictures of him in Vietnam and this was a true story. I was like, oh my God, they didn't just make this up? Jesus. Anyway. But, but you know what's a good example? There's another recent war film, a much better one than this, and that was Hacksaw Ridge. And yep. I believe, I think it might have even been the actual uh, person in the film, but they were saying that there is even more moments of heroism that they left out because they said if you put too much of that in the film, it starts to feel fake, even if it's not. So you have to find a right balance. So I come back to that and I'm thinking, well, that's a even if that sometimes had its melodramatic moments or beats like this one did, it felt more earned. And they were yeah. smart enough to know that we are because that's the other thing. He did this for four months. It did not feel like he was in Vietnam for four months in the film. I would yeah. have guessed two or three, three weeks, weeks. Because, well, because that's how they said with the uh when he was talking to the boat dock guy he said okay i'll let you do this but you need to be back in two to three weeks yeah and granted i get that maybe he, he stuck but even when he's stuck it feels like he got to the un and all this within a few weeks to like i would have said a month tops if i was just going off this film which is still harrowing to be in vietnam for that long but four months is even more traumatizing and we don't feel that right yeah and then i wonder like If he, because from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like, okay, Russell Crowe's character didn't exist, but other reporters did. And I could be wrong here, but from I'm gathering from briefly reading that article, it doesn't sound like Chicky ever came into contact with reporters while in Vietnam. And that's a big creative license to take when that's a big crux of this movie. I mean, it's practically the back half of the film is, and that's a big, another big moment because he's, uh, calling out Russell Crowe, who, who's trying to take a liking to him to a degree and open his eyes. And he's saying, you know, don't you realize that what you report is hurting, you know, the spirits and the American. And he was like, well, I'm reporting facts. And he goes, well, you don't lose people. And he goes, all those name on the bar, those are reporters and friends of mine that have died reporting these wars and this war in specific. Yeah. And, and or another one, there's a moment where he befriends a 
I think he's a police officer, like a local police officer. Looked like a traffic like, cop to me, Oklahoma. Traffic cop was, honestly, yeah. I think he was a traffic cop because he had somebody <laughs> stand at his post and he made the joke that nobody listens to me anyway. Right. Uh, and even that didn't feel like he genuinely learned that, you know, no matter who's right and who's wrong, every soldier is just fighting for their country that thinks they're right. You know, we... right. That Shades of Grey didn't really feel it because it just felt like a moment to build to another dramatic beat. And it felt like almost just having goofy comedy of like, wait, you actually going to come visit me in New York? Here's my address. And like, har, har, har. Yeah. And it just, it didn't, there's a way to do it. And I can't even sit here and tell you how to do it, but there's a way to do it where that feels earned and it feels genuine. And this did not feel it. Not enough heart and too much Hollywood and creative license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of ruined it. Who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's why it ended up on streaming. But I mean, uh, I think so because Green Book went to theaters. Why wouldn't have this gone? Because I think because yeah. I don't think it got a good buzz out of the festivals, and I I think that converted it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Apple Plus wanted Peter Fairley because obviously the success of Green Book. But I mean, I this I haven't heard much of it being promoted online since it's right. dropped on Apple Plus. Exactly. Like a, like a quiet, we call this a quiet release. Yeah, it's a, it's a dump. Ay, ay, ay. Well, Peter Farrelly, we'll catch on the next one. Unfortunately, the greatest, the greatest beer run is a big skip it from me and Justin. Yeah, thing. skip it. Yeah. Skip it. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for guesting on yeah. uh, Watch Skip Singular. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, you and I will see each other on the next podcast of uh, uh watch yes, the cinemasticus will return justin the red is gonna go take a nap exactly you know it's funny that i mean i wouldn't say this is cinemasticus material but it is funny that the movie i didn't like probably the film i've liked the least out of all the movies we've covered is when i'm not the cinemasticus when i'm just justin the red right <laughs> awesome awesome all right all right friends and listeners thank you so much i am cupcake go to the movies <laughs> support exhibition thank you (laughs) 